Turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at the first 13 verses of Matthew 25. The title of my sermon is The Ten Virgins. The Ten Virgins. When you look at this parable, the very first word you see in verse 1 is then. That word then should make you look above to chapter 24. Isn't that right? It follows on, doesn't it? Then, well, I would look above it anyway. And when you look at verse 24, what you'll see is the Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke to his disciples about his second coming and various occurrences that would precede it. That explanation came after they said to him in chapter 24 and verse 3, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Chapter 25 follows on from that. As such, what we shall consider today is part of the response of Jesus to his disciples' question. Our passage is about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and that can be clearly seen in the last verse of what we're going to consider today. Look at chapter 25 and verse 13. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Pretty obvious, isn't it? Jesus was talking about his second coming. In this parable, the second coming of Jesus and his taking his elect, his chosen ones, to be with him are described in terms of a bridegroom coming without warning at midnight and taking some virgins, friends of the bride, to be with him at the marriage. Similar language is used elsewhere in the Bible, such as in Revelation chapter 21, where Jesus is the husband and all true believers are collectively referred to as his bride. As it is written in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let's look at the passage now in chapter 25 of Matthew's Gospel, looking first at verses 1 and 2. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Obviously, these two verses, they introduce us to ten virgins, not five virgins and five of something else. For example, not five virgins and five harlots. Therefore, at least outwardly, they all looked and acted the same. You can think of them as ten people in a church fellowship who profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Five of them really are born again and trusting in the Son of God for everlasting life. 
They are the wise virgins. And then there are five who merely make empty professions of faith in Jesus, but in reality they are still dead in their trespasses and sins. They, of course, are the foolish virgins. Other words can be described, or rather used, to describe them, such as stupid, godless, and blockheads. The five foolish virgins. Therefore, you need not think of this parable as a contrast between Christians and, shall we say, Muslims or Hindus or atheists. Those people aren't even on the radar. Remember, all of the ten virgins would have looked and acted the same. It's all about people who call themselves Christians. They may even go to a good reformed church, a Baptist church of course. They may all have been baptised having made a profession of faith in Jesus. Maybe all of them sing their hymns from grace hymns. Furthermore, all of them may enjoy certain temporal blessings that come from being part of a church. Temporal blessings from being part of a church fellowship. For example, living a morally upright life, at least outwardly morally upright, and not squandering their money on wine, women and song and all the other things that the world loves to spend its money on. But still, the fact remains that five of them are Christians and five are not. By the way, even though there are five wise and five foolish virgins in the parable, you need not imagine that every church fellowship is equally divided uh, between those who profess and possess the Lord Jesus Christ and those who merely possess him but are still dead in their trespasses and sins. You need to remember, for example, that Jesus spoke about a broad way that leads to destruction and a narrow way that leads to life. That's not half and half, is it? God only knows in, the, in, in individual church fellowships and in this world as a whole who of all those who profess faith in Jesus really do possess him, having repented of their sins and trusted in him for forgiveness. Also, don't limit the application of this parable just to people who will still be alive in the world when Jesus returns. It's a picture of now just as much as then. And anyway, who is to say that Jesus will not come back today? Those ten virgins could be us now. We see in verse 1 that all of the virgins, and not just the wise ones, went forth to meet the bridegroom. What does that tell you? For one thing, that goes to show that professing Christians who are not really born again, they can really, really believe that Jesus is coming again. They, they might even show a certain excitement about the prospect of Jesus coming again. They may even talk about Jesus coming again, even though they are the foolish virgins. Because as I say, they all went out to meet the bridegroom. We see that in verse 1. 
this shouldn't surprise you that all the virgins went out to meet the bridegroom, for example, Muslims. They believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is nothing more than a prophet of God. Even so, Muslims believe that Jesus is coming again. As a Muslim, of course. Needless to say, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Bible declares Jesus to be the Son of God. Uh, Nevertheless, Muslims, they'll talk about Jesus and they will agree that Jesus is coming again. Also, there are the Jehovah's Witnesses who believe that Jesus and the Archangel Michael are one and the same. They too believe that Jesus is coming again. In fact, they've predicted the return of the Lord Jesus Christ on more than one occasion. And needless to say, they've got it wrong. They keep getting it wrong. They really ought to pay attention to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, where Jesus said, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So can you see, you don't actually have to be a born-again Christian to believe that Jesus is coming again. And let's face it, if the Muslims believe that Jesus is coming again, and if Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is coming again, then you can bet your boots that their God, the devil, also believes that Jesus is coming again. So again I say, you do not have to be a born-again Christian to believe that Jesus is coming again. Therefore, an expectation and even a visible excitement about Jesus coming coming again are not in and of themselves conclusive evidence that a person's heart is enthroned with King Jesus. Nothing straightforward, is it? Not all such people are necessarily born again. Not all necessarily believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, who loved them and who washed them in, washed them, washed their sins away with his own precious blood. In this parable, the wise virgins represent truly born again Christians who would no doubt speak from regenerate and repentant hearts if they quoted Beautiful verses of scripture like Titus chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 where it is written looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Lovely verses of scripture. How many people in the professing church can actually say those words and shoot from the heart? Let's have a look at verses 3 and 4. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Putting aside any spiritual application for now, can you see just how stupid those five foolish virgins were? That they should set off to meet the bridegroom with their lamps, 
but with no oil. A fat lot of use that would have been. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's no way that those foolish virgins could ever do that. They had no oil and therefore they had no light to shine before men. They had nothing without the light. Admittedly, we all do stupid things at times and when it comes to going out, leaving home and leaving behind essential things, I win first prize. I'm always forgetting things. And when I take Teddy, the dog, out for a walk, he is used to me turning round and going back in the house to get things that I've forgotten. But I hope you can see that this is very, very different. What we see in this parable is a sinful stupidity with the most terrible consequences. As for what the oil actually represents, an obvious answer is the Holy Spirit. And if you were to think that the oil is the Holy Spirit, well, you wouldn't be wrong. After all, the foolish virgins were unregenerate, unrepentant and unbelieving. Therefore, they most certainly didn't have the Holy Spirit. But more broadly, they didn't have any of the spiritual blessings that God graciously gives to those who belong to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessings such as forgiveness of sins, peace with God, redemption from destruction, and a crown of loving kindness and tender mercies. They had none of those things. Let's have a look at verses 5 through to 9. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. Again, there is nothing obvious to separate those ten virgins. They must have all looked the same as they slumbered and slept. Even so, time was ticking away. It was now midnight and still five of them had no oil for their lamps. When at last the arrival of the bridegroom was announced, all of the virgins got up and all trimmed their lamps. Yet again, can you see the foolishness of the ones who had no oil? They trimmed the wick of their lamps just like the others, but the blockheads didn't have any oil. What, if anything, was going on in their foolish minds? When it was all too late, the foolish virgin said to the wise ones, Give us of your oil. And the answer they they received was a resounding no. It's not that the wise virgins were being mean or nasty, It's just that they were not in a position to give oil to anyone else. They only had enough for themselves. Consequently, even though it was midnight, the foolish virgins 
went off into the dark of night to buy oil. I don't know where they went. Maybe they went around looking for uh, an all-night bazaar. Or maybe they found uh, um, an oil merchant's house and they frantically knocked on his front door, demanding oil, pleading with him. Who knows? The point is that just as the five foolish virgins were not able to receive oil from the five wise virgins, neither is it possible for anyone to receive the Holy Spirit and all those wonderful spiritual blessings, the forgiveness of sins, the the redemption and, and so on and so on, peace with God. No one can expect to receive those things from mum or dad or from your friends or anyone else for that matter. You receive them from God himself and no one else as a repentant sinner trusting in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Let's have a look at verses 10 through to 13. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, open, sorry, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In verse 10 we see that whilst the foolish virgins were out buying oil, the bridegroom came. The wise virgins went into the marriage and the door was shut. Remembering that the bridegroom is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming again to judge the living and the dead. What we now see in verse 10 is the door to heaven being shut forevermore with all the redeemed of Christ being delivered once and for all from the presence of sin and being received into their heavenly rest. In verse 11 we see how serious it all is for those foolish virgins. They were shut out and this is despite them calling to the bridegroom, Lord, not once, but twice, when they said, Lord, Lord, open to us. And you know what? You can have the name of the Lord on your lips and proclaim that name all day long. But it counts for nothing if you're not trusting in him as your Lord and as your Saviour. It is nothing more than a word if he is not Lord of your life and the one who has saved you from your sins. Just look at what the bridegroom said to the foolish virgins in verse 12 when they finally arrived and called on him to open the door. He said, I know you not. That must rank rank as one of the most solemn verses in the whole Bible. Jesus saying, I know you not. That verse, along with Matthew chapter 7 and verse 23, where Jesus said, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I want to 
have a brief look at Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to turn to Matthew 27 and read from verse 21. Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, there we go again, and Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a, what a thing to have, to, to, to experience. That could be anyone in here, if you're not trusting in Jesus. On that day, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, a blockhead, a stupid person which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. According to Matthew 7 verse 24, the wise man hears the sayings of Jesus, and he does them. He hears them, he does them. That's the wise man. Whereas according to verse 26, the foolish man hears, but he does not do. First and foremost, hearing and doing. In other words, being wise and not being foolish. What it means before anything else is repenting and believing the gospel. People hear it time and time again. They hear it in here in this church every week. But it's not enough just to hear. But that is doing, hearing and doing the sayings of Jesus is repenting and believing the gospel. For example, in Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15, it is written, Now after that John, this is John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus came unto Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That same message of repentance and faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins can be seen time and again, such as in Luke chapter 24 verses 46 and 47, where Jesus said, Jesus again says these things, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
Those foolish virgins may well have had prophetic ministries. They may well have cast out demons. They may well have done all manner of wonderful works. But what would have been missing is the most important thing of all. Repentance and a genuine faith in Jesus. Trusting in him alone for their acceptance before God. As such, everything that they ever did was nothing more than self-justifying works performed in their own strength and of no eternal value whatsoever. Finally, we read in verse 13, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Verse 13 clearly speaks of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, coming again at a time that is not known to any of us. And when he does come, it will be in judgment and he will gather up his chosen ones to be with him forevermore. That could even be today or very soon. And if you were to die before Jesus comes... It would be a terrible thing to die with no oil. It makes no difference whether you're alive when Jesus comes or whether you die before he's come, before he comes. The important thing is to have oil, to have that oil, the Holy Spirit, the salvation blessings that come through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who do not have that oil, it will be a time when faith, sorry, when, if you do have that oil, whether you, you die before Jesus comes and you have that oil, or when Jesus comes, if he was to come today and you had that oil, it will be a time when your faith is replaced by sight. When you shall see Jesus face to face in all his risen glory and his majesty. As it has been written by a songwriter, and I've had it stuck on my wall for a couple of years now in the study. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Lovely words. Words that are reserved for those who have a lamp and they have oil for the lamp. The wise virgins. Or the wise man who hears the sayings of Jesus and does them. So, do you have that oil? You have most certainly heard the sayings of Jesus, but are you doing them? Have you trusted in Jesus as a repentant sinner for the forgiveness of your sins? Amen.